So the Nats, it was reported by Andrew Golden at the Washington Post yesterday afternoon. The Nats are no longer for sale. Mark Lerner disclosing that down in West Palm Beach, Florida, site of Nats spring training. Uh, and actually said that the decision uh, was made by the family, quote, a while ago. Uh, we welcome on, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Chelsea James. We haven't had Chelsea on the show in a while, but it's always good to catch up with Chelsea on baseball, on the Nats. She is the national baseball reporter these days for the Washington Post, but this is obviously a big story in baseball. Follow Chelsea on Twitter on X at Chelsea underscore James. Uh, so let me just start with the obvious. Why did they pull the team from the market? You know, I don't know that they fully have. Um, You know, I think that Mark Lerner coming out and saying the team is not for sale is obviously significant. But I think it has been true for a while now. The fact of the matter is there really wasn't a market to pull it from. I mean, clearly, if you know, if there had been a huge amount of interested buyers, you would have had a bidding war. You would have had a price that they probably couldn't turn down. You know, that probably ends very differently. So. You know, I think they are obviously intending to run it indefinitely now and willing to say so. But I think that's more a product of, frankly, just sort of the the market not being there than it is, you know, this massive change of heart. What were they looking for? What would have been a number that they would have taken? You know, my understanding was they were hoping to get $2.4 billion, so right around what the Mets got. Um, now, that sounds insane, and it is. But the Mets were not bought. Their TV station wasn't included. So it's not totally crazy, but it's still pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, from what we've heard, Ted Leontis offered 2.2-ish. Um, and that was not enough. So, you know, they, they wanted that number. And I think things we've seen recently with the cable deals um, kind of falling apart around baseball. And, you know, just the general fact that the Nets are not on top of the baseball world right now. Uh, you know, it just they're not that desirable right now at this moment. And uh, they weren't going to probably get that number. So it's not super surprising to me that they said, you know what, we'll wait it out. So 2.4 and you think Ted offered 2.2 and they turned it down. And then the Orioles were sold for what? Was it 1.7 to David Rubenstein? 1.7, yeah. Yes. So that... Obviously, that being the most recent sale and the most recent comp, and I know it's not apples to apples, but that couldn't have helped things either. I think that's absolutely right. You know, I think, I think there's, I think the Orioles are probably related to this, but I will say that you know, in talking to people around the Nationals yesterday, there were people very high up in that organization that didn't know Mark Lerner was going to come out and say that publicly yesterday. Um, it didn't lead to some massive change in stature or approach throughout the organization. So, you know, I don't know that there was one thing that led him to say this, but I do think that the Orioles number is one that, yeah, is probably a little bit jarring to them because it's a better stadium, uh, a stadium where they've already agreed to get a lot of money from the city to do improvements, a better team, you know, a team on the rise, um, and they're only going for 1.7. Now it's a different market, sort of, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that number probably doesn't help. That being said, I think the, the sale of the Orioles also provided a little bit of a reason for optimism for the Nats that also could have encouraged them to wait, which is that, you know, the general consensus is David Rubenstein is going to be a lot easier to deal with when it comes to Madison than the Angelos family. So maybe the thought process is, and no one has told me this, you know, we're going to probably get that TV money sorted out for good soon. 
why would we sell the team before we do that? So, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons you can look at it and say that Orioles thing had something to do with it, but I'm not sure which way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, your take, because basically this was a big headline yesterday afternoon, and there was a lot of reaction, um, and we'll get to what your reaction is to it and what you think the fan reaction is to it, but... Isn't the easiest way to just go to their investment bank? Uh, I think it was Allen and Company. I just looked it up in terms mm-hmm. of the bank that they had retained when they publicly said that they were looking to sell the team to see if Allen and Company is continuing to pub, you know, to actively market the team. You know, we've asked. Um, I haven't heard either way from them, but I think. You know, they're not actively marketing the team. Like the, the fact that they say they're not for sale, it, it means they're not Got for it. sale. But, but I do think, you know, I don't mean to diminish the headline and, um, and also huge props to Andrew, by the way, for, for getting right. that scoop. But, but I think, you know, I think that we've been closer to this for a while now than, than it might have seemed. And it's until somebody says that, you know, it's, it's not official. But I don't think it changes things dramatically. I think if, you know, first of all, last year at this time, John Angelos was saying, we're not going to sell the team. Uh, we're here for good, and you know the right offer came, and and that changed. I think that's probably true of the learners. Um, and I think you know one thing we know about them, and we've seen it with the naming rights for the stadium, and we've seen it with other things, is like if they don't get the price they want, they would rather take nothing at all. And <laughs> I think so, that you're looking. Yeah. yeah, we have learned that about <laughs> the learners. I mean, you know, you go back to some of the stories about Ted and the number that he was willing to go up to to buy this the Redskins back in 1997. And the story was, you know, not a nickel over $600 million. They went for $800 million. It would have been the best investment they ever made. But once they get the number in mind, they're not budging off of it. But I understand your point, too, and I think most people, you know, do. And that is, look, they're not officially for sale, but if somebody came up with 2.4 billion tomorrow it it, they'd sell the team yes yeah and i think you know the main difference is that you know they're not they're going to act like they're running this team long term now it it seems to me like that was what mark Lerner wanted to say yesterday and i'm sure that's not necessarily welcome news to to some fans at this point but it sort of was always going to be the reality whether they wanted it to be or not and i think in talking to people around the nats yesterday one like i said this announcement, it didn't drastically change anything. It also was a little bit surprising. Um, and the other thing is they didn't totally know what inspired it. You know, the, the Lerner family is always very private. I think with Mark Lerner in charge, there's, you know, that has continued. Um, and this seems like it came straight from him and something he wanted to say. And um, so, I, you know, I, I would assume they're not going to be sold for a couple of years. But again, like, I don't think this means that we'll never yeah. see them sold, you know, imminently. Yeah. Don't you think Chelsea that in it, like whether it was supposed to be, you know, laid out the way Mark laid it out yesterday publicly or not, that it, it's more beneficial for your business not to look like it's in flux from an ownership standpoint. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Honestly, you know, there's a lot of people in that organization who've been worried about buying houses over the last few years, or, you know, do they, do they really pick up their whole family to move to DC if, you know, they don't know what the next ownership group is going to do, you know, obviously Rizzo and Davey got their deals, but it's been a lot of purgatory there. And I think it helps to have him say, look, we're going to, we're really going to do this. You know, I think he said, you know, last year we plan to run the team indefinitely, to say, you know, we're no longer pushing for a sale. 
goes one step farther and says, you can count on us to be here, you know, at least for the next season, you know, the next few months, whatever. Um, I think that really helps. I also think, frankly, it's, it's much better for them. I mean, they put the team on the market at a time when cable revenues were in question. The team looked bad. You know, the Orioles were for sale. So, you, you know, you knew the Orioles were going to be for sale soon. So, like, there was some kind of competition there. I think this kind of lets the dust settle a little bit. You might get Madison figured out. You might get the team on the field looking better. You might figure out things with the city in terms of funding for improvements to Nats Park, which I know the Post has done a lot of reporting on. You know, there's money there that's kind of um, in flux. So it kind of makes sense financially, and I think sometimes it's as simple as that with the learners. Chelsea James from the Washington Post joining us. That makes a lot of sense. Do you think that perhaps even this mindset of not actively selling but always perhaps listening, that they'll be more engaged in running the team and things might change from where they are? Actually, you know, the better way to ask you that question now that I think about it is to ask you if they hadn't put the team up for sale, if they hadn't been actively pursuing a sale – would they have done things differently over the last two years? I don't know. I think we're about to find that out. You know, I think if we start to see some personnel changes, maybe on the business side of the team or, or you know, obviously it seems like the, the baseball side is fairly set right now. But, you know, if they start to make changes they've been hesitant to make, then maybe the answer to that is yes. I have a hard time seeing what would have gone differently. I mean, the, the, the rebuild was kind of underway. Um, and I think it's sort of fair to look at them and say it makes sense not to spend until you know who your core is. So I, it's hard to say, like, you know, all of a sudden they'd have been out there chasing Shohei Otani. I don't think that's true at all. Um, so I don't know. But, I, you know, I think, I think we will know a lot more after this year um, at, or even midseason about where things stand. I think what I continue to hear from people in the organization, and I think they believe this, is that the reason you haven't seen spending on the roster is as much they don't know where to spend yet because of these young guys as anything. If we get to next next offseason and they're still not talking about spending and they're still not saying, okay, we're a couple players away and, and we'll splurge for them, then I think you can kind of look at them and say, are they even trying? But um, it's hard to say that they would have done anything differently because I, I'm not quite sure where that would have been um, just given the state of the team. Are people around baseball, Chelsea, specifically owners, ownership in the other uh, in the other MLB cities, are they disappointed that the learners didn't sell? Are they, you know, is it sort of a benign position, or are they glad that they're sticking around at least perception wise? What what are the what does the rest of baseball think of the learners as owners? My understanding of that question is that they're, you know, it's mostly benign. Like, I don't think there are a lot of people that were like, oh, man, I can't wait for them to be gone. I don't think there were a lot of people that are are upset to see them stay. Um, You know, I think Major League Baseball has at times been frustrated with them simply because, you know, as we all know very well, like the Lerner family makes a lot of decisions as a group. They are often slow to make them, particularly when it comes to things that require spending. Um, and that has at times been difficult for MLB to navigate because, you know, there's other teams that have one person in charge and you go to them, you make the call and everything's sorted. But, you know, with the Nationals, it's a little more complicated. So, you know, I think in that way, MLB is like, all right, guys, like, let's, let's decide what we're going to do here. But, um, you know, I think across the sport, it, the learners aren't, you know, 
sort of um, they're not the kind of people that are speaking up in owners meetings and, and, you know, trying to sway people one way or another. I think they're fairly benign. They, you know, kind of just deal with their gnats. Um, I think, frankly, from an owner's perspective, what they would really not want is the Nats to go for sale for a really low number. You know, they don't want their team's value to be dropped by sure. by somebody else. So I think, you know, from Manfred and the owner's perspective, it's, it's as positive to wait until you can get that number up uh, as anything. From your perspective, what's been the fan reaction to the to the news that, you know, they're off the market, the headline? It seems like it's it's been fairly negative, and I might be wrong, Um but I, you know, I think people were excited for new ownership and just something new. And I understand that, especially after the way the learners have not spent recently. Um, so yeah, it, it seems to me that it's been fairly negative and just sort of a, another example of the learners sort of dragging their feet. Um, you know, from my perspective, you never know what you're going to get with a new owner either. So it's, you know, that's always difficult, but yeah, it, it seems like people are frustrated and, um, I understand that because I think it feels like this franchise has been in limbo for a little bit here. You know, we did this Twitter poll uh, on the show, I don't know, two months ago, Denton, maybe, about would you want Ted Leonsis to own, to buy the Nats and own the Nats? 90% said no. I mean, Ted's not the most popular owner in town. Uh, I think the worst thing that happened to all these guys is that Dan sold uh, the football team. Um, mm-hmm. But when when you, ga- when you gave me that reaction, I sort of sensed that, but I also... I'm not sure what the reaction would have been. Well, I am kind of sure. I don't think it would have been an overwhelmingly positive reaction had Ted purchased the team. Right, right. And I think that's fair, too. You know, I think the thing we don't know, it's almost like starting over with the learners right now because if they have been so stingy over the last few years that it's it's almost – you don't know if that's because they want to strip things down and sell the team or if it's because the roster hasn't been in a place where it makes sense to spend dramatically, you know, and I think we're about to find that out and that'll go a long way in determining how people feel. You know, if it is true, as Mike Rizzo has told everyone, as people in the organization have thought for, you know, a year or so now that you, you watch that core emerge this year, they look like they're on the verge of being ready to take the next step. And then it's time to go out and sign some free agents and they do that. Then, okay. You know, the learners are kind of back to where they were in the mid 2010s and, and I think people are happy with that. But we've had no evidence that they're willing to spend anything extra at all yet. And uh, if they are not, you know, if they look at this core and, and don't add to it for a while, I think that is going to be extremely frustrating for a lot of people and um, understandably so. You know, I think this is kind of obvious, but I've had people, you know, sort of confirm it uh, over the last couple of years. The timing of the pandemic for the learners, learners in this organization just couldn't have been worse. The financial boon that, that teams get from their first title is unbelievable, and they never got the benefit of that. Not to mention that their core business, commercial real estate, was hit hard simultaneously. I mean, are we sitting here having this conversation today because of the pandemic? I think in large part that's, that's fair to say. I mean, you can't you cannot overestimate what they lost in that time. And for the learners, you know, and I think this is obvious too, like what happens in their commercial businesses matters for the baseball team. Like, yeah, it's separate, but as someone tells me about their mindset all the time, you know, every dollar comes from somewhere else. So if you're losing money on the other side, it's not like you're going to start throwing stuff at the net. So they not only lost money, but they, 
they kind of took a double hit because um, they didn't get the money from the World Series, you know, all of that. Um, I think it changed things dramatically. And I think at the time when they said this team was for sale, it was because it wasn't going well, right? Like it wasn't in a position of financial strength. And I think what's been interesting to watch and what I think we might have seen yesterday is the realization that we're not that far away from building back up to a better spot. And maybe it's worth waiting until then. And, and clearly they think they can afford to do that financially now. So, so maybe that's what we're seeing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that team is, different both on and off the field if the pandemic doesn't happen and uh it's hard to you know i know people don't feel bad for people as wealthy as the learners but in terms of bad luck you 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 can't really do much worse after a world series win than they have done so let's talk about what's next because you've alluded to it a couple of times that maybe with this young nucleus it's not that far away uh what does 2024 look like to you for this team and and how far how you know how long away are they from legitimately you know contending for at least a wild card spot? I think they need to contend in 2025, which isn't what you asked. But I think if they don't contend, that 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 everybody needs to look at themselves because this has taken you know plenty of time now. Um, I think this year is a huge year. I think you've got to see James Woods, Dylan Cruz, maybe um, if not break into the big leagues, look look definitively ready to do so next year. Um, I think you need to see the, the young pitchers sort of sort themselves out so you know what you have. Um, but, you know, I think this is a big year. They might lose more games than they did last year, but they need to know who they have and who they believe in so that they can look at next offseason and say, what do we need? And, you know, one of the things I, I've asked Rizzo a lot is, like, how did you know that it was time to, for example, side Jason Worth when when the last crew of Nationals was coming up. Like, how did you know it was time? And he said, well, there's two things. Like, you have to know what you have, and you have to know who is available and, like, who the right guys are. And there's a big free agent class after this year. You know, hopefully they'll have a better sense of who their starting pitching is. I think if you squint, you can can see an exciting year in 2025, but uh, you really have to have people get better this year. Brady House. You know, would obviously, like I said, um, you got to see Kate Cavalli come back and be promising. Like that, they can be close, but depending on how this year goes, they could also be pretty far. And I think it's going to be up to them to develop these guys and see improvement, which I think we also all know isn't something that has necessarily been a strength of this organization and getting guys to take that next step. Chelsea, what is the latest with Strasburg? <laughs> Man, I. You know, I think it's sort of status quo, at least as I understand it. I'm sure that could change any day now, you know, especially with Mark Lerner making announcements <laughs> freely like he has been. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they're a bit of a standoff. I think they want him to be around a little bit in spring training. I think he doesn't want to be around a little bit in spring training. And there's so much money, you know, on the line with that contract that they're kind of arguing over it. But it's kind of silly because frankly, like there's no world in which Steven Strasburg doesn't get the rest of his money. And so, you know, I think this is more a fight between Scott Boris and the learners than it is anything, you know, bigger than that. It's, you know, I think the learners, sorry for there's a jet going over me, but I think the learners, you know, want something for their money, which, you know, I get. Um, And I think Steven Strasburg, you know, just isn't the kind of guy who likes to go glad hand and, and do photo ops for a week like, you know, some other alums can. So I think they get it sorted out. It's really hard for me to see the Nats, like, 
escalating this any further than it's already gotten. I think it's already been plenty embarrassing for them and kind of unnecessary. So I could be wrong, but, you know, I would expect them to kind of figure things out fairly soon just because it's, you know, the guy can't really lift his arm and needs to move on with his life. And I think everyone needs to move on at this point. I think embarrassing is, is the, the a way to describe it. It's, it's also hurtful. This is, you know, yeah. This guy was was a star and a star in your biggest moments during the best stretch of baseball, including one of the all-time gems in Game 6 of the World Series. And other players around the league are looking at this and saying, this is like penny-wise pound foolish to the 10th degree. Yeah, and it's, exact, it's the thing that the, that the learners can't get out of their way with, right? It's like they just can't let anything go um, for nothing. And I think it has always really affected their reputation because I think if you look at the aggregate, you could argue they've done like a fairly good job. They've won a title. They had a team that contended for half a decade. Right. They've had future Hall of Famers come through. But when it comes to stuff like this, it just gets a little too penny when a few extra dollars would end it. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't think Scott Boris and, and is – innocent here you know i think he's been fairly dramatic about um the disrespect they've shown Strasburg here and you know that's that's him but you know he's not wrong and i think given that steven Strasburg is you know affected for the rest of his life by these injuries um from what we've heard you know it, it just makes a lot of sense to figure this out and get it over with and retire the number and and patch this all up before it gets even worse for no reason all right, really quickly, Anthony Rendon yesterday made national news out in L.A. Um, or, or wherever they were uh, in, in Arizona. Spring training began, and Anthony Rendon, former Nat, who was sensational during the 2019 run, um, in talking about his enthusiasm level for baseball, in which he's missed so many games since signing that massive deal. Uh, a 240, actually, it's the exact Strasburg deal, if my memory serves me correctly, seven years, 245. Yeah. But he said, quote, it's never been a top priority for me, baseball, that is. This is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving, closed quote. Uh, just your reaction to those comments, it's gotten a lot of attention on Rendon, who's you know, not been worth anywhere near what the Angels thought he would be worth when they signed him in 2020. Yeah, super unsurprising. Uh, You know, I totally, people think he's crazy. Um, You know, I think the problem for him a lot of times is delivery of those messages. He's just not very respectful when he says it. And I completely understand that, you know, if you're a fan who's dreamed of a baseball career your whole life, you look at that and you say, are you kidding me? Like, you're making millions of dollars maybe, you know, and you can't just get out there and pretend you like it. That's super fair. I will say that it's not new. I mean, that's been Anthony Rendon since day one. Um, it's, it's who he is. You know, he got a reputation kind of early in his career as a, a quote-unquote slow healer, which is not a reputation you want. But I think part of it is just like he's not as obsessed as everybody else. And to me, that is something you assess when you decide whether you want to sign a guy long-term. You know, the Nationals knew him well, looked at it, and said, no way. Like, we're not doing that. The Angels gave him $245 million. You know, if they had called me, I, you know, I would have said, don't give him that money. Like, don't do that deal. I think anyone who knew him would have told you, don't give Anthony Rendell that kind of money, guaranteed, because he's, he's not 
going to do everything he can to be on the field. This doesn't matter to him like you want it to matter to him. And so to me, like, yeah, I, I understand the angst against Rendon, but it's, it's who he is. It's who he's always been. He's never hidden it. And I think, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me he retired tomorrow. I've never thought he played out that whole contract. It just isn't who he is. And so to me, it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating as a fan, but it's, it's more inexplicable that the Angels gave him that deal. And I think that's how people around baseball look at it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think one of my reactions after reading it was Mike Rizzo really is pretty sharp. And in in terms of reading the room, reading his players, he's gotten it right a lot more than he's gotten it wrong. I think that's true. And, you know, the Strasburg deal was like a very emotional deal that came from as much from ownership as him. And, you know, I think you had to give somebody something after the World Series, right? I think that was kind of fair. But to let Randall and Walk was, was smart. You know, I don't know. I, I just think that's who Anthony Rendon's always been. So to me, it's it's one phone call of vetting, and you don't give him that money. You give him a deal that he has to prove it every year. And um, he's unique because you're not supposed to say that stuff out loud, but he just genuinely doesn't understand why people give him so much credit for being a baseball player. I think everyone wishes he'd be like a little more respectful of the people he's explaining that to. But um, you know, it's 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 sort of just what he is. And I think he will be, he's an enigma for that, but uh, it's actually pretty consistent with, with what people know of him. Thank you for doing this. I hope you're well. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Chelsea Janes, everybody, Kevin Sheehan show the team 980 and the team 980.com. Some unfortunate news over the weekend. Legendary Maryland head coach Lefty Drizel passed away at the age of 92. We'll have one of his former players on in the third hour of today's show to remember the legendary Maryland coach. His Maryland Terrapins in action tonight. They're on the road against Wisconsin. They tip off at 9. You can hear that right here on the team at 980. The Capitals in action tonight as well. They host Josh Harris's New Jersey Devils. Puck drops at 7. You can hear it on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. And that's what's trending.